Industrial Light and Magic, LucasArts, Skywalker Sound, Lucasfilm Animation. This is Looking at Lucasfilm with Jim Hill and Dan Z. Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Dan Z, my co-host in the show, has literally just gotten back from Anaheim, where he participated in last week's grand opening press preview of Galaxy's Edge at Disneyland Park. Given that the addition of this brand new 14-acre land to that theme park is obviously a huge, huge thing to listeners uh, to this podcast, well, Dan and I are going to depart from our usual format for looking at Lucasfilm today. I'm going to put on my reporter hat and quiz Dan about his experience last week and and let us all live vicariously through his memories of this one-of-a-kind experience. Anyway, Dan, first, the really important question, did you get me anything? Actually, I have a, an opening day map for you. Well, okay, I'll take that. Yeah, it's it's quite glorious. I'm not sure if you've seen the paper, but it's a, it's a much more higher quality paper. I'm not sure the name or the description of it, but it's really, really nice. Oh, very cool. Okay. Let's take a step back here. And when did the folks at Disney and or Lucasfilm reach out and say, hey, what are you doing in the, the latter part of May? Well, the first thing uh, you said, you're going to quiz me. This is the best quiz I ever studied for. I really enjoyed preparing <laughs> for it. I think I found out, I think Disney Disneyland actually called me on the phone about a month before mm-hmm. it happened. Mm-hmm. So then I've been I've been definitely salivating over this opportunity for for that entire time. You know, you hope, you know, doing what we do that you that that happens. But I was very, very excited. Just as as my family, I talked about it every single day. For a lot of folks, they, they think about a media event or a press opening. It's a glamorous affair. And yeah, you do get to see celebrities. In fact, at what point did you bump into the star of Solo? When 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 did that happen? That was actually on Thursday. So Wednesday, mm-hmm. you know, you go, you get your media badge, and then we got the most mm-hmm. unbelievable swag bag you've ever seen. It was this huge backpack. You could get a resistance backpack or a first order one. It had mm-hmm. uh, a really nice phone charger in it. It had the Coca-Cola Orabesh t-shirt that they gave away at Celebration. It had mm-hmm. uh, both of the novels for Galaxy's Edge that were coming out in August. It had a hat. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it had this beautiful key. With the Millennium mm-hmm. Falcon on one end, and it said "Media Press Event Opening Day Galaxy's Edge Disneyland 2019." So it was stunning. Very cool. So that was, but that was the first day. But you asked me when I met Alden. I was, I was walking down on Thursday because Thursday was when you go down and you get to do a lot of video interviews for different people. And mm-hmm. I'm walking down the hallway and I look up and I see Alden Ehrenreich, and mm-hmm. we make eye contact. And he's, he's with his family. He just kind of he just kind of looks at me and keeps walking. And I thought, wow. Mm-hmm. What do I do now? Should I say something? Should I let mm-hmm. the guy go? He's with his family. But we walk inside of this long lobby, and he's talking to his family about riding the Falcon. And mm-hmm. I just couldn't help myself, so I said, oh, dude, you're going to love it. And he looked at me, and he just had this, his eyes just lit up, and he smiled. He goes, you've ridden that already? And I said, yeah. So I gave him, uh, I told him about it and how I was there for a couple of days. I introduced myself, talked about the podcast. And then I said, and by the way, if you want to be the driver of the Falcon and go to light speed, sit in the pilot um, right side, and you'll be the person that send everybody to light speed. And so he smiled. He goes, okay, thanks. I said, have a great time. 
So we shook hands and he walked off. Really, really awesome. Really nice. And I just love that I actually got to tell Han Solo how to send the Falcon to light speed. It actually <laughs> happened. I never thought I'd say that. Oh, that is so cool. Your little chunk of, of Star Wars mythology here telling Han Solo how to, to drive the, the Money Falcon. I, I love that, Dan. I love that. And he actually paused and he, he took a selfie with me, too. Very cool. All right. Well, but again, to get back to people have a glamorous take on a, a media event, a, a press opening. But as you mentioned, the hard reality is you're usually pretty rigidly scheduled because face it, mm-hmm. your hosts have brought you all this way because their goal is that you accomplish a lot while you're on the ground. Because obviously the more you see, the more you hear, yes. the, the more fodder you have for stories, podcasts, that sort of thing. You had to decide in advance who you were going to talk to and, and what you were going to do, right? Right. Or- Basically, what happens is they say, we will have interview opportunities. Is there, do you, who do you want to speak with? And I wrote, I wrote back mm-hmm. and I said, I'll talk to everybody, every, mm-hmm. every area. So they sent me to people in the in foods, in, mm-hmm. in story, in the, uh, the merchandise aspect of things, and then to talk to the, to the people who help create the Falcon. Mm-hmm. And that's what they set me up to do. But you're right, it's very, very rigid. They have time frames. Now, it's not as rigid as, as I initially thought. So they basically give you, like, windows of time. The day before, on Tuesday, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, on Wednesday, they said for an hour and a half, you have access to the cantina. And then for an hour mm-hmm. and a half, you have access to the shopping. And then now, you know, then you have access to this. And then we're yeah. kicking you out at 4 o'clock, and we're getting things ready for the grand opening uh, ceremony, and then you can come back later in the day at six o'clock. So stuff mm-hmm. like that. Okay. Well, uh, to swing back to what happens next, what, you know, what was the first thing of the day you did? So the first thing of the day we did, and I'm getting out the schedule now. We went over there. They took us over to Disney. Actually, we walked over to Disneyland, and mm-hmm. at the Mr. Lincoln Theater, we had a big press event, and Scott mm-hmm. Trowbridge was there, and and um, a lot of the creators uh, from the different individual in- industries, you know, merchandising and food. And they actually never mm-hmm. gave us a list of the people who were on it. Mm-hmm. So then they basically talked for an hour, just basically thing, a lot of things we've heard before about how this started, how important the immersion factor is, how closely they worked with Lucasfilm to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And it was Carrie Beck was actually the person who was there for, for the story group to talk about things mm-hmm. she's the, the vp of the story group and so they were just all very very genuinely excited i think they're really thrilled to show us what they were we were going to see and i think mm-hmm. they're also very very excited to just kind of get ready to open this thing they've been working on it for you know as you said since 2015 and then they said all right now, now we'll- we're going to take you over and mm-hmm. you're going to have lunch so we went backstage mm-hmm. they took us through a secure circuitous way through the park and we went kind of back behind over behind basically let's see Frontierland or that whereabouts and then um we went and we had lunch we just had turkey sandwiches nothing spectacular and and talked to a lot of people and then it was time to bring us into Batu. was there anything particularly at that press conference anything that surprised you anything new that really sort of you know leaped out at you from the presentation or some of the things that they did Doug Chang was there and Ah, he's such he's such a cool guy to listen to and he talked mm-hmm. about the fact that um, he said George thought of Star Wars as historical drama, not mm-hmm. science fiction. So he wanted to make sure to kind of bring that out. And he talked about how they went, uh, the, petri- the petrified force in Arizona inspired Black Spire outposts, the spires themselves. 
You talked mm-hmm. about going overseas and, and looking at the marketplaces and looking how they run, how they function, kind of the atmosphere and the and the decor of that. And they talked a lot about Ralph McQuarrie and how they wanted mm-hmm. to have a Ralph McQuarrie look. And then we were introduced to different local colloquialisms that mm-hmm. Batuans have uh, when you're there. Mm-hmm. So when you see a cast member on in Galaxy's Edge, they're not going to say hello or good morning. They're going to say mm-hmm. bright suns. Mm-hmm. So those were some. That was some of the stuff that we learned about as far as that goes. Those those are the kind of the major reveals. Now to get to the big moment, what was that like to come in? Did they backdoor you? Did they bring you in through one of the entrances? We came out from backstage. Ironically, it was the okay. only time because I went in and out of mm-hmm. Batu on three different occasions. It was the mm-hmm. only time though that took us through the backstage entrance. So we go through the back mm-hmm. door, and the Falcon is right there. Basically, we were standing. Uh, like the cockpit is on the far side of where I was standing. Um, so I walk out mm-hmm. and there it is. And I just, I've been trying to walk through my mind to sort of replay mm-hmm. where I was and how I felt. But I saw it. I, I kind of put my arm or my hand on James Burns from Jedi News' shoulder. And we just looked at each other. Mm-hmm. And we both kind of let out this weird, like, kind of a gasp. Like kind mm-hmm. of a, almost like a tear-ridden gasp. And I just kept <laughs> saying to myself, you know, no one was listening, and I didn't even know or realize if anyone was. I just kept saying, there's the Falcon. Mm-hmm. There's the Falcon. And we just mm-hmm. looked at it with our mouths wide open and walked around. And, you know, people, you keep hearing it makes grown men cry. I'm not going to say that I flat out cried because I didn't, but I definitely was choked up and just overwhelmed. But I couldn't shake this incredible feeling of happiness. And, and, and you know, here's mm-hmm. a weird thing, too, Jim. You know, I've dreamed about this moment since 1978 when I first saw Star Wars. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, you've seen the pictures and everything like that. When you're actually there and you experience it, you just feel like, oh, yeah, of course, this is it. This is how it's supposed to feel because this is a real thing. It's People are going to feel like they're home. And that sounds really mm-hmm. cheesy, but it's absolutely mm-hmm. true. If you're a Star Wars fan, when you see the Falcon, you're going to feel like you're home. And, of course, how many times did we all say Chewie were home when you saw the Falcon? A year ago, you're out in L.A. You, you went out and did the premiere of Solo in front of the El Capitan. And they had, was it a third size version? Yes. Of the Millennium Falcon? Because I remember there was that wonderful selfie of you, you know, grinning. You know, you had this grin that was so big your head was almost split in half. <laughs> but the Millennium Falcon is right behind you. But it's it's this third size. And now to come around the corner, and here's the full size, to go from the fun size bar to the full size bar must have been kind of startling, especially with the whole world of Batu around the fastest ship in the galaxy. You know, that's actually a, a great point that you brought up, because I hadn't thought about that comparison. Uh, because, yeah, it's it's not even close. The one mm. at the premiere was pretty neat, and it looked great. Mm. But it, was just, it just wasn't even close to the scale. I mean, this thing is massive. I mean, I'm sure people have seen my pictures. They're some amazing pictures. I was lucky enough on Thursday to get that section... I got the entire landing platform where the Falcon is all 100% to myself, which isn't going to happen too often. So I got some incredible pics of that. But mm-hmm. it is definitely, it's definitely, I mean, you can't even believe how massive it is. So you, you've come in and you sort of referenced this earlier. There's kind of a regimentation to you're now in the land, but, you know, and it, but. Not everything is open. I mean, for example, I guess the cantina isn't necessarily serving food or drink, or the shops aren't open for actual shopping. 
Can you walk us through how you did that portion of the day or, or what you did? Yeah, for sure. Well, the cantina was open, and you keep hearing these mm. horror stories about how long the lines are going to be. And, of course, they are now that mm-hmm. it's actually opened. But for us, mm-hmm. I just walked right in. No big deal. And they had a couple mm. of different drinks to choose from. They were out there. Mm. Uh, they didn't have mm. them labeled, so I didn't really know okay. what was what. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I could just—I drank them and taste them, and they all—they all tasted good. And there's a there's a pineapple concoction. I thought that was particularly delicious. But the atmosphere—I I really think people. There's a reason that the lines for the canteen, at least at the time of this recording, are more massive than mm-hmm. riding the Falcon itself. The cantina is is an incredible atmosphere. Even if you're not a Star Wars fan, it's just incredible environment. It's very warm. The lighting is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. it's quote small, it's not really that mm-hmm. small. I mean, it's not massive. You're not going to fit 400 people in it. But there really wouldn't be mm-hmm. any fun in that anyway. It's just got a great experience. The booths are massive. I mean, you're not. I mean, you're talking about a party of probably 15 people could fit in these booths. And then the bar is huge and spacious. There's a ton to see. Rex is hilarious, and um, what he's doing is great. And, you know, when we first saw the sort of the design artwork, concept art for the cantina, and just the way it was created, I remember looking at that thinking, that doesn't look like the cantina. That looks like someone who thinks what the cantina is should be. Mm -hmm. I am happy and delighted to say that the cantina very much feels like a version of the cantina from Oz Eisley, although a little bit more expanded and a little bit more modern. But it feels like mm-hmm. it was created by Star Wars fans. It doesn't feel like it's done by pretenders who want to make some money. This feels like an authentic Star Wars cantina experience. It's glorious. Okay, so you you sample a beverage there. You, you check out the amazing atmosphere. Where to next? So after that, we went down to Doc Ondor's mm-hmm. to go in there. And walk around now. The you mentioned some of the, there's so basically some some challenges to the operation. You weren't allowed to buy anything when I was there in the morning, which is probably a blessing <laughs> to mm. my credit card. Um, <laughs> but this is where you have the Kyber crystals and the Jedi and Sith holocrons, and these unbelievably fantastic Star Wars pieces of merchandise that I've just never dreamed in my entire life that I would ever see. Like. Yoda's cane, uh, the uh, the necklace that Princess Leia wore at the end of A New Hope when she gives the medals away, which actually was sculpted from the mm-hmm. original necklace itself. Uh, a couple of robes, but not just not the big place for the robes. You have these massive Sith mini busts for $110 uh, that mm-hmm. basically would look like how it might look in a Sith museum. And this is where you've got all the legacy lightsabers, too. That you can mm-hmm. choose from. And the cheapest one, I know there's some different price point challenges out there, but Darth Vader's is $109.99. That's the cheapest one. Hmm. And then you've okay. got, you can get Ahsoka's, and it actually comes with two because it's her lightsabers from Rebels, and they're $199.99. And it actually has mm-hmm. a white blade, and there is, a, there is a Jedi Temple Guard, and his blade is actually yellow. That's the only yellow lightsaber that's in the canon Star Wars. And mm-hmm. so I held the Obi Wan Kenobi one. And I wish I didn't, because then, because I was, I was pretty convinced that I didn't necessarily need it, because I already have a bunch of lightsabers at my home. But as soon as I held that thing and turned it on, I was like a little kid again. I was like an eight-year-old boy, and I just couldn't get enough. And there are also a ton of Easter eggs in there too. If you want me to talk about those, it's funny you that you mentioned the Easter eggs, because Alice and I went out to our local comic book store and I picked up the second issue of Marvel's Star Wars Galaxy's Edge comic book and the interesting thing is the storyline of this 
is actually set at, uh, or, or significant scenes from it are set at the Den of Antiquities. And what I love about the artwork is they actually have buried some of the Easter eggs in the background. And I love the fact that it's not just Star Wars stuff that's stashed back there. No, I, I found the Ark of the Covenant. A one, Did you Yeah, really? a 1-1 one, one scale okay. Ark. It's, it's, uh, if you have your back to Doc mm-hmm. Ondor, basically if he's over your right shoulder and you look up mm-hmm. kind of above where... Uh, it's hard. This is sort of hard to visualize. But if you look up in the air with your back mm-hmm. to Doc, as far to the left as you can go away from Doc without running into a wall, mm-hmm. you look up and you can see the Ark of the Covenant behind like kind mm-hmm. of a box and there's just no mistaking it. I actually had a cast member point it out to me. And so that was really, really cool. And then on the wall, you've got all kinds of blasters and a ton of helmets. And then you've got, you know, a tauntaun mount, head mounted up there. There is actually mm-hmm. a cattle from Solo that didn't actually make the mm-hmm. final film, but they had it in the concept art. So they put that up there too. Mm-hmm. There's a ton of great stuff. I, I mean, you could get lost in there. Oh, and, and we could probably spend an hour or more talking about, you know, the, the various... I, I believe they call them merchandise experiences. It's not just shopping, folks. It's a merchandise experience. That's actually true, too. I mean, the, the you wouldn't believe how... You just really feel like you're in a place you never dreamed you would ever see. They, they have uh, Hera's... I think it's called a Calicori. That's sort of her, mm-hmm. her family history. You can buy one of those. It's got... Like I said, the holocrons themselves are nice. And mm. just the way they're displayed, I mean, good luck getting out of there without buying everything in the store. But you did eventually get out of there. And the thing is, it's one thing to stand next to a full-size version of the Millennium Falcon. It's quite another to actually get to fly it. Now, you, you had a window of from three to four that day. That's right. To fly the Falcon. So we got to talk about that. You, you flew it three times and did all of the positions. Yeah. Is that correct? I ended up doing or? it four times, actually. Oh, so now that's, okay. Um, yeah, I did. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I got to experience all the different positions that you can and have, so you know what your roles are and, and what, what to recommend. And I was told I received a hot tip that if you sit on the pilot side, on the right hand side, as I said earlier in the show, that's the Falcon. Mm-hmm. So that I made sure that I wanted that the first time I flew the Falcon, I needed to put in the light speed. So you, they let us in from three to four, and the queue is massive. And the great thing about the queue. Is that mm-hmm. while you're going through the queue, you see a bunch of cool stuff on the interior, but you also mm-hmm. get to see the back side of the Falcon, which you can't do unless you're mm-hmm. in the queue line. And it's just mm-hmm. as detailed and gorgeous as it is at the front. I mean, it is absolutely stunning. So then you you get inside, and the first thing you do is you go into a bay, this huge mm-hmm. bay, and this is where you see the Honda Onaka animatronic. It's about a minute mm-hmm. and a half show, I guess. They show mm-hmm. the Falcon land. He talks to you. There is um, an R5 unit that's up there that Hondo has kind of sprayed like weird little teeth on it to make it look like a little baby monster. And mm-hmm. he does this thing and then you walk through and before you know it, you're you're on the you're in the, the hold of the passenger mm-hmm. hold of the Falcon. You've got the Dajarik table. You've got plenty of time to walk around and take pictures of things. And I never ever felt rushed, like I wasn't getting a chance to do everything. But it's cool when you walk in it, it kind of feels like like there's like this slow, quiet kind of a purr of an engine. It's kind of like when you're walking on a jetway into an airline or mm-hmm. into an airplane. Mm-hmm. It kind of has that feel to it, which I thought was a really, really nice touch. And they give you these cards 
that say mm-hmm. what your role is on the plane or on the plane on the falcon itself mm-hmm. and then you Ellison it opens you watch another little video they move you around really really good i remember on avatar i feel like you're standing in that that area where they tell you how to fly the banshee i feel like you're in there for a long time the falcon you're not in anywhere for a really really long time and then the door slides open and you can take some more pictures you know into the hallway which i certainly did and door slides open and you're inside the cockpit which is pretty big i mean they've extended the actual length of the falcon cockpit just for this so you can put six people on at a time and then you're ready to go you put on your little seat belt and you make sure you pull the yellow lever so that it's on securely and it's time to fly of the four different positions that you occupied did you have a particular favorite or flying it is great the first time i did it when you're on the right side and you're doing light speed you're in charge of up and down whereas the pilot on the left is in mm-hmm. charge of left and right mm-hmm. so that was that was super fun it was a little bit stressful because you've got hondo yelling at you and you've got people ooing and eyeing and screaming and then you better pay attention to those lights that are up in front of you and then you got to mm-hmm. steer it so it's actually fun because it does you do feel like you're sort of working I'm not 100% sure how responsive it is. I do kind of feel like, even if you really do terribly, I do feel like it's still going to steer you anyway. I mean, I'm, I would be mm-hmm. interested to see what Len and other people say about that. I mean, there are definitely times I felt like I was going up and down when I wanted to. But it was sort of hard to say because it's your first time and you're just overwhelmed and excited by it. So that one's good. I was a little underwhelmed by the by being in charge of the cannons and the weapons. I mean, just not like you can do manual or automatic targeting. So that adds a little bit more to it. Basically, you just keep pushing a button. It's not like you hold a like a joystick mm-hmm. or like a, a cannon operation thing like you do in the movie. You just kind of push a button to your right or to your left. But my favorite mm-hmm. favorite is probably the engineer at the very, very back. Mm-hmm. Because you're all, you're always pushing things, and you're, you can feel the engine turning off. And you can, when you push certain buttons, you kick it on again. And it very clearly lights up about how to do it. But I just feel like it was mm-hmm. very active. And from the very back, you kind of get the best view of the cockpit anyway in the actual ride itself so i thought that was pretty fun okay so it's four o'clock and at this point don't they chase you out because of course you know there's the grand opening party coming right or yeah that's right um before before that though i had a few minutes to go through the marketplace and take some video in there and look at all the different unique collectibles that are there too i mean i i've said it before but it's just it's an absolute star wars merchandise fans dream because there's no packaging Mm. there's no like it doesn't feel commercialized even though it is you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just feels like, and even though you've got, it's supposed to feel like, for example, the the Stormtrooper kind of action figure slash doll that a young Jyn Erso plays with at the beginning of Rogue One, that looks just like it did from the film. And the other things that are there that are supposed to be of a similar style, they're really nice. There's a bunch of kind of wooden action figures that look kind of like they're modeled after the ones from droids from the 80s cartoon mm-hmm. show. So that was really impressive. And then I went over to see the Dianoga that comes out above the drinking fountain. I think every minute and 25 seconds or so it pops up. And probably the weirdest thing I've ever done, I went mm-hmm. inside the refresher or bathroom, as most people know it, to see the style mm-hmm. there. And even that looks unique. And so I took a bunch of pictures in the bathroom. When no one was in there, <laughs> it wasn't mm-hmm. totally creepy. Uh, just to kind of see what that was like. It kind of reminds me of the old sinks at Wrigley Field too some of the oh. stuff they have put out it, it was it was incredibly fascinating but then yes after that we were able to walk around a little bit but then they had us leave and we went backstage and there were there were a bunch of shuttles that took us over to the hotel again they had to sort of redress the land for the the grand opening party and that must have been intriguing as well because you come back to the land and of course black Sparrow outposts during the day is one thing black Sparrow outpost at night with the area lighting and all that 
is quite another. And what was it like to be in there for the party? That was gorgeous. I mean, the, everyone was so excited. I mean, there were a ton of Star Wars celebrities there. We were all just flying high because we knew it was going to happen. You could get this is where you could get the the Coke and water mm-hmm. bottles, uh, the very unique ones. They were just giving them away to people. You could just go to the bar mm-hmm. and get them. This is where you could try some of the food because during the day we weren't allowed to try any of the food. This mm-hmm. is where you could try the the blue and green milk. So basically, to try everything, it wasn't labeled either, which was a little disappointing. But so mm-hmm. you would just go by and you'd have to catch a waiter or a waitress and you'd get stuff and you'd get little mm-hmm. bite-sized samples and stuff. Very much like a cocktail party atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But I also got to see the first appearance of V. Moradi. I think that's how you say mm-hmm. her name. Uh, this, the Resistance Spy. I got to see the Disney's first presentation of her. It was about two minutes or so. And she fights the stormtroopers mm-hmm. and Chewbacca comes out and there's explosions and fireworks and people really oohed and out over that. I got to Talked to James Arnold Taylor and Cat Tabor there. I didn't talk to Bob Iger, but he was he was walking around. I mean, it was mm-hmm. uh, Fred Savage was standing behind me during the actual presentation itself. So that part was pretty cool, and and I can gush if you want about uh, the actual ribbon cutting moment itself for sure. A lot of us saw that online, and and it, it was wonderful to see you know Mark. It was wonderful to see Billy D. But you and I talked prior to the event about how unlikely it was going to be that Harrison was going to take part because he was actually out doing press for Secret Life of Pets, too. Yeah. What was it like to have him come on stage? So about an hour or two before, there was kind of a buzz going around that Harrison and George were going to be there. But mm-hmm. I'd remembered what you'd said, and I just thought, mm, you know, I, I've, I've been at events before where Harrison was going to show up and he wasn't there for whatever reason. I felt like it was likely that George would be there. Mm-hmm. And as if people looking at Lucasfilm listeners know, I've got to meet George and talk to him before. But you never get mm-hmm. tired of seeing the maker in person. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty lucky. People saw my pictures on Instagram and Twitter. I was really, really close to the stage. I mean, I was like, I could toss a piece of paper if I wadded up real good mm-hmm. and hit him easily. That's how close I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I didn't, of course, but that just sort of gives you an idea. And so they all mm-hmm. walk out. And I'd never seen Mark Hamill in person before, so that was pretty glorious. Uh, then they mm-hmm. had an actor uh, as Chewbacca come into the to the cockpit of the Falcon, the actual Falcon that's right there. Mm-hmm. And then Harrison was announced, and I kept turning over my shoulder because I could see the teleprompter in the back. But, mm-hmm. but when they were about to announce Harrison, I couldn't really tell. And then he all of a sudden you heard, she may not look like much, but she's got it where it counts. And it was his voice. And I think I can honestly say that there are three moments where I got incredibly emotional. One was seeing the Falcon. One was something we're going to talk about later with the lightsabers. And the next was Mm -hmm. seeing Harrison Ford walk up and see the Falcon and him walk around and talk to everyone and then go up and pretend like he was hitting the Falcon to get it jump started and saying, this one's Peter, Mm -hmm. this one's for you. Because he actually did say that. I heard him say it myself. And he was just smiling and happy and he looked great. And then there were the fireworks and the Falcon was lit up. It was like blues and orange. And it was probably one of the, the finest moments I've ever had as a Star Wars fan, I just kept thinking, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe here that we are here. It was completely glorious. Okay, so uh, parties starting to wind down, and you're going to have to leave Batuu. Is is there anything you did? Is there, I mean, anything you did to do to make your last moment at the party special? Or uh, Well, after that happened, I still had about two hours. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I did everything. I went to the cantina for a little bit. 
I went and walked around the, the, the first order of gift shop. This is where I actually mm-hmm. tried the blue and green milk and went around and talked to a ton mm-hmm. of people. Just kind of soaked it all in. I rode the Falcon again. I rode the Falcon at night, and I can and happily say that the Falcon is a different attraction at night. When you're leaving and landing on Batu, it's dark. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the way that it's filmed. But during mm-hmm. the day, it's it's a, sometimes it's a little easy to see that it's a screen. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel like that incredible HD 4K screen that they have at Avatar, you know, and, mm-hmm. and the flight of the flight of passage or whatever it's called. Here, like mm-hmm. sometimes you can tell you're looking at a screen, but at night it's much much the verisimilitude, the suspension disbelief is much stronger. So you can definitely make it happen that way and make it feel more like it's a part of it. I did uh, run into Drew uh, a bunch of times mm-hmm. throughout the day also, by the way. He and I hung out in the cantina a little bit, and we got a picture together, and, and we sat by each other during the press conference at, at Disneyland, and it's always great to see him. He is hilarious, and I, it was fun to kind of experience with him, too. We were going to go and build a lightsaber together, but he ran off, and it's really, as you know what these things, you're being pulled in 10,000 different directions, and it's just really, really hard yeah. to make it all work. That's it exactly. In fact, I'm, I'm proud of you that you managed to accomplish as much as you yeah, did. thanks given you know that the way they run your ragged at these things so tell you what folks we're gonna go do our commercial break here and when we get back uh we're gonna get dan's actual insights about the land the, the stuff that the star wars fans really want to hear when it comes to visiting the land len and i are going to do a special uh band camp exclusive show where we discuss how as a visitor to Disneyland Park and hopefully you know extrapolating that to uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios the best way to make the most of your time and what you can't miss as somebody on vacation Dan people want to know if they're there as a Star Wars fan what they should see what they can't uh, can't miss I mean for example you talked a little bit about going into the marketplace in the bazaar and obviously the the den of iniquities and, and that sort of thing but is there anything else people should really, you know, as a Star Wars fan, circle back on and, and see? I mean, personally, there's a creature area, which is really fun. They've got the loath cat there, but it's only asleep. It never wakes up, it mm-hmm. so just kind of basically see it sleeping and mm-hmm. twitching its tail. It's cute. But okay. from a merchandise perspective in the bazaar, they've got Sabacc decks, which they've never really sold, sold. Mm-hmm. And then they've got mm-hmm. a little wooden... Dejarix chess sets and I mm-hmm. I mean when I go back that's what I'm gonna buy undoubtedly okay. so to me the Savak deck is is kind of a, a really really incredible item we talked earlier about Oga's Cantina yeah. and having been all over Oga's is is there anywhere you'd suggest that you know if they really want to have that sort of quintessential Star Wars experience they should ask to be seated right well the bar itself standing at the bar is nice because you can kind of get a lay of the land it really just depends mm-hmm. on the noise. I guess, I mean, it's loud mm-hmm. everywhere. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. grating loud, but it is loud. I mean, it's a small space. But some people were sitting over by Rex, so they could just get and get really close to him. If you sit on the, the massive booths that I talked about, they're very mm-hmm. much, they're completely as opposite of Rex as you can possibly sit is where the giant booths are. And they're nice. Mm-hmm. They're a little more quiet. They're a little more isolated from some of the energy. Most of it seems to be centered around the area where Rex is, but both sides of the bar seem to have the same things on top of them to look at. 
There's a Dianoga in there you can find and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But the actual drinks are like themselves are very, very cool, very unique. And then the, the stills and the places where you can really get the drinks out of them are cool. Make sure you, of course, you go up and get the coasters. There are five. I think there are five different coasters. And so make sure you grab some of those and they're just giving them away. So like you have to sneak them. Okay. But there's no bad place to sit. Good answer, or at least a Disney-approved good answer. Now, you mentioned being in the the Den of Antiquities and the Legacy lightsabers in there, but did you get into Savvy's workshop? Did you actually get to observe the whole lightsaber construction thing? One of my goals was to resist purchasing a lightsaber because I've got so many Mm -hmm. of them. But, of course, the force was strong with me (laughs) and my desire Mm -hmm. to spend money when it comes to Star Wars. So I did it. I went Mm -hmm. in with Clayton Sandell and Anthony Bresnikan. Uh, and then Becky mm-hmm. Menken and Lou Mangiello, we all went in together. Mm-hmm. And myself, Becky, and Lou all bought uh, and did the experience. And let me tell you, Lou, like, not Lou, Jim, this this experience is unlike anything I've ever done in Star Wars, anything mm-hmm. I ever thought I would do. It's not mm-hmm. cheesy. It's glorious. It's about 20 minutes. You actually construct mm-hmm. this thing. The kyber crystal aspect of it is stunning. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, and I know there's videos out there so people can check if they want. I would recommend that you wait. For the reveal mm-hmm. that if you get to feel what I felt, I mentioned earlier there were three moments I got choked up. There's a moment after mm-hmm. you construct your lightsaber that you actually, it turns on and it's revealed that it, the blade actually works. Where I wept. Mm-hmm. It was just so mm-hmm. incredible. It is mm-hmm. the greatest Star Wars experience you could possibly have involving a lightsaber. It really is just, it's just so magical. And the music and the way it's timed in our, in our hostess, she was incredible. But the different things that she says, and mm-hmm. the music coincides with it beautifully. And then when she says, well, in the green kyber crystal, when she, they say that, suddenly the entire room is green. And then the purple, everything I was purple. about to say that, that I was watching one of the videos, and I love the stagecraft of it, between the, the underscore, or as you mentioned, the discrete lighting effects and that sort of thing. I mean, it really is. It seems like a, a theatrical moment, only you're on stage and it's happening to you. To you. And then, you you know, this yeah. is where you get some big reveals. Uh, you wear a special, depending on which of the four options that you pick of the lightsaber, I picked Peace and Justice mm-hmm. for the Jedi. You get a, an exclusive mm-hmm. button that you wear on your shirt so they know which one you're going mm-hmm. to build. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, if people are concerned about the cost, think of where the kids go and they do the princess mm-hmm. thing where they get the dress and they put glitter in their hair and fix their makeup and make them look all gorgeous and and have and cute and have fun doing that. This is like that for adults who want to build lightsabers. That is an excellent analogy. That really is. Uh, thank you for pointing that You're out. You're welcome. And in, I'm telling you, it. if I was going to be in Galaxy's Edge and I had a small amount of time and mm-hmm. I could only do one thing. I mean, initially it might mm-hmm. break your heart because you only do one thing. But this is what I would do. I would go to Savvy's and build a lightsaber. That is, to me, that is the absolute must-do, even more than riding the Falcon. All right. You, you heard it, folks. As you were walking around Black Spire Outpost, did you come across any place like a quiet corner that you could really sort of sit back and, you know, sort of take in the whole world? Oh, there's a ton of them. There are, I mean, even though it's it's a massive land... I mean, it doesn't, when you're walking around, it doesn't feel like you're walking around Animal Kingdom or anything like that. But it's massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, over by Ronto's Roasters or Docking Bay 7, or the kind of the pathway that leads you over to where Rise of Resistance is eventually going to be, there are a ton of little tables mm-hmm. and, and benches. 
in shaded areas. Outside of Ogas, there's some places you can sit down to. Yeah, there's plenty of spots. I mean, the people have no trouble getting taking a taking a break. From a storytelling point of view, as a fan, were there any particular details that tickled you? I mean, I've been looking over a lot of the photography that people have done of the land, and if you go around to the back of Ogas Cantina to the loading dock area, the Imaginaries actually made a point of sort of painting in where delivery vehicles had bashed into the loading dock so you can see the skid marks or the, the paint from the vehicles or that sort of thing to tell you this is a real world and things get dented and dirty. Were there any details like that that you enjoyed? Uh, well, the main one I said is when you're when you're in the hold of the Falcon, you can hear the ship and it just kind of feels mm-hmm. like it's really about to take off, kind of like slowly with the engine kind of on. Hearing, if you, if you, if you get a moment and you're able to just kind of walk around uh, and it's mm-hmm. going to be tricky because there's going to be a lot of people there, but there's always different sound effects and sort of mm-hmm. piped in stuff from the bazaar or, you know, the sound of animals or the sound of ships flying by and quiet music. And it really adds to the ambiance of the place. Being inside Doc Ondar's and seeing the different things. I mean, you could get lost in there. You could spend hours in there just looking at all the different Easter eggs that they have hidden. Seeing the blaster fire on the wall outside of Ogus Cantina is really, really cool. And the comic books kind of allude to how that may have happened. Seeing the droid in Ronto's Roasters that used to be in Jabba's Palace spinning the meat, uh, I thought mm-hmm. was really, really fun. Seeing the land speeder over there, there's a smaller version of Han Solo's land speeder from the beginning of Solo, a Star Wars story, which is mm-hmm. cool. We could spend 30 days doing recording sessions, and I couldn't even begin to tell you all the different things that are there. I mean, the, there is no exaggeration when it says this place is packed to the gills with Star Wars stuff from the movies, but also from Rebels, also from Clone Wars, also from comics and books. And it very, very much feels, it's not, this isn't pretend, folks. This feels like it was done by people who love their Star Wars and know their Star Wars, and I can't imagine anyone being disappointed. Okay. One final question, and the California version of Galaxy's Edge opened without Rise of the Resistance. We're being told we're at least a couple months out from the opening of that. That was the the anchor for the whole ruined section of the park. And as a direct result, sort of the center of gravity of the land has shifted. So many people are in the bazaar, in the marketplace, because there is nothing to do really other than, you know, say, go over and look at the resistance camp or the, uh, what is it, the, re- the resistance outpost where you can buy merch and that sort of thing. Should people wait till Race of the Resistance opens to get right. their initial visit into Batu or Well, it's certainly going to thin out the herd if that happens because there really isn't anything going on down on that end. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you can get a picture in front of the, of the Resistance X-Wing, which is incredibly cool. And there's mm-hmm. some cool atmospheric stuff, and there's great scenery, and this is actually a good place to go down and listen to the sound effects and the, the mm-hmm. audio that they piped in that adds to the authentic feel. So I recommend that for sure. Mm-hmm. And when you're entering the land from Critter Country or wherever you're entering from, there mm-hmm. definitely is a dividing line, and I put some video of that up, where you can tell you're in a different place. I mean, you do not feel mm-hmm. at all like you're at Disneyland. I mean, not for one second do you feel like you're at Disneyland. But okay. as far as waiting, I, I don't know. I mean... If I didn't go to this media event, even knowing that the Rise of the Resistance wasn't open, nothing would have kept mm. me away. Just because 
mm-hmm. the stuff that is going on, there's so much room to walk around and navigate. And just seeing the Falcon is such a breathtaking moment that I think it's worth it. Now, if you only go to the parks maybe once every 10 years, then yeah, I'd wait. Mm-hmm. I'd wait. But if you're a regular or just a massive Star Wars fan and you think, you know what, I'll just go again when the Rise of Resistance does it. Now, that's not practical for people. So, you know, please don't misunderstand mm-hmm. me. If you only go again, if you only go once, then it probably is more uh, prudent to wait. But I don't think mm-hmm. if you're not able to wait, I don't think you'll be disappointed because it's it's really is a wonderful place. Thank you so much, Dan, for for sharing your thoughts on the press event and you know looking back on what it was like to be among the first to get in there. Any final thoughts or any folks you want to acknowledge or, or thank? Or? Well, I just want to thank the the people at Disney and Lucasfilm for uh, having me be a, a guest for this incredible experience. And just the great times I had with, with the people I mentioned, Clayton and Lou and, and Drew and Jermaine and all the awesome people there. It's just everyone was so happy. There was nothing negative or complaining. People were just loving being here. And I have no doubt we'll be talking about this a lot on looking at Lucasfilm for a long time. Okay, well, I can, but until our next show, where if, if people want to hear what else you're up to or your other thoughts about what's going on in the amazing world of Star Wars, where can they find? Sure. You? Well, on Coffee with Kenobi, we're probably gonna have three or four different shows dedicated to this media experience for Galaxy Edge. We're gonna have a lot more detail there. There's a ton of stuff I put on Twitter and Instagram, and Facebook, and all Coffee with Kenobi social media for people to get a lot of video and, and pictures and behind-the-scenes stuff. We have a Coffee with Kenobi Patreon page where we have a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff I share on some video and exclusive podcast content there as well. And you can look at my writing on stars.com and IGN. Okay, on my side of the fence, we've got Disney Dish with Lentesta, which, as I mentioned, we'll be getting into the op side of the this brand-new land of the parks. We've got Drew Taylor. We do the fine-tuning podcast with him over on the universal side of the street i do universal joint with dustin fuse michelle Valladolid and i are doing the i want that the disney a disney merch based podcast we're actually kind of dreading doing the galaxy's edge episode because that'll only be three or four hours oh, easily and then of course there's the marvelous disney podcast uh, that i do with aaron adams and if you like what dan and i do please do us a favor and head over to itunes and rate and recommend not just the podcast here at uh, the jim hill media podcast network but also coffee with kenobi and and dan shows head over to Bandcamp and subscribe and take care okay Thank you for listening to Looking at Lucasfilm with Jim Hill and Dan Z, one of many great podcasts on the Jim Hill Media Network.